The Ziggler Show. Timeless inspiration from Zig Ziggler that's influenced over 250 million people worldwide. Inspiring true performance in your work and life today. Welcome to episode 322 of The Ziggler Show. I'm your proud host, Kevin Miller, and my Zig quote for you today is also the title of today's show. Stop selling and start helping. If you think sales is not a topic that interests you or pertains to you, you haven't been listening to much of Zig. He says, and I wholeheartedly agree, that everyone is in sales. It's why it was one of his favorite topics to cover. We all have things we care about and want to impart to others and help others with. If we can't communicate in a way people will accept, we can't offer the help we desire to give. This is what our show is about today. The show is brought to you also today by QuickBooks. If you're self-employed, listen to this. QuickBooks is offering Ziggler listeners up to 50% off for an entire year on the new QuickBooks Self-Employed. I'll tell you more in just a bit, but you can get it now at tryselfemployed.com forward slash Ziggler. tryselfemployed.com forward slash Ziggler. Now, last week, I asked for those who really appreciate The Ziggler Show to take the time to log into iTunes and give us a five-star rating and write a review. Uh, for your trouble, we'd send you a gift. So many, many of you did. It's incredible, beautiful testimonials. Thank you so much. That offer is still open. If you want to do it, then email me at kmiller, K is in Kevin, kmiller at ziggler.com to let me know so we can send you a small gift. I have another favor to ask today before we dive into the show. I appreciate personally when friends recommend great products, services, and experiences. Whenever I have a need for a product or service, I go to friends, family, social media, and ask for testimony to something that someone's experienced, had a great experience with, and I can trust. We want to do the same thing here with The Ziggler Show. This show is free, of course, but as it grows, more and more time and resources must be devoted to it. So we're beginning to bring you ads from products and services that we believe have relevance for The Ziggler audience and that we personally recommend and endorse. We've got some fun ones coming up in the coming weeks. Uh, but to make sure that we are nailing it, I'm asking for your help today with a quick survey so we really do know what you care about. I don't want to waste your listening time at all. Will you go quickly to podsurvey.com forward slash Ziggler? The survey will only take five minutes, which I, I know I just took it about an hour ago myself. Uh, we're just going to ask you a handful of questions about yourself, what you like to buy, and it's completely anonymous. It was a little eye opening uh, for me to think look at it and think about my own purchasing. It's kind of cool. Uh, after you finish, it does show you stats on the other listeners, which is also really interesting. Uh, but your answers will help ensure that we only bring on advertisers that are well-matched to you and your interests and the show. And when you're finished, you can enter a monthly drawing to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Yes, that I got to enter myself. Uh, I would love to get that. I may pass it on if I do. Even if you've taken a podcast listener survey before, I'd like to ask you to take this one to help us make the show perfectly relevant to you. Again, you'll get a chance to win that $100 Amazon gift card. And once again, that's podsurvey, P-O-D-S-U-R-V-E-Y.com forward slash Ziggler. Thanks so much for your support on that. Our clip today comes from an in-depth seminar on selling, where Zig briefly references some previous stories. 
One is about a salesman who made a call on a prospect who never bought from the company. He was just known as never buying. But he mistook him for a pro, for a, a client or a prospect who had always bought. The result of his attitude, which was according to that perspective, helped him make the first sale ever from the company to this individual. So, Tom, I've had a lot of uh, sales uh, efforts in my time, and I've definitely had experiences selling with and without confidence. I wondered if you got a personal story to share yourself on that. Oh, absolutely. Early in my sales career, this is uh, go all the way back to the high school days. I got a job selling uh, athletic shoes at a retail store. And Kevin, we made commission. Oh, fine. So <laughs> you can imagine the hourly rates, like the minimum. Uh-huh. So the juice is in the commission. Uh-huh. But I'm a kid. I'm 17, and I'm you know I'm nervous and. And so, you know, everybody who comes in is like my mom or my dad, right? They're, they're older than I am, and they've been around. And so I've got the confidence issue of not having sales experience and the confidence issue of, you know, uh, you know selling to somebody much, in my mind, older and more mature and everything else. So I go home and I talk to dad, and I'm saying, dad, you know, help me out here. And he says, well, why are they coming in? And I said, well, they, you know, they're either, they either need to replace the shoes they have or they just want another pair of shoes. He said, well, why don't you just ask them why they're there? And it was just such a simple question. And he said, then focus on them and what they need rather than, you know, worrying about are you going to do this right or are you going to stumble or whatever. And so I started doing that. And here's the interesting thing is back then the big shoe of the day was a tennis shoe called a Stan Smith. And Stan Smith was a very famous uh, tennis player. And for whatever reason, the style of shoe, that tennis shoe, is people not only played tennis with it, but they also wore it out. It was like a dress-up tennis shoe. So, you know, they would go out to dinner with it. They would go to clubs with it. And so I asked people, why are you getting this shoe? Because we would have this shoe on special hour every now and then. And about half of them would say, oh, you know, it's, it's a great tennis shoe. I play tennis. But I also love them when they're new because I can go out to nicer places. It's good for dates and things like that. And so this is the cool thing with that strategy. When I started focusing on them and I started asking questions what took the pressure off me, I realized that half of them were using it because it was a good-looking shoe. And so when this, when the, now when people would come in and they'd say to Stan Smith, I'd go, let me go get them. And I'd always bring two pairs out. And I would say, uh, so tell me, why are you buying this shoe? And they would, half of them would say, well, you know, I like to wear it around. I said, you know what? They're on sale. Why don't you go ahead and get two pairs? And they go, what do you mean? And I'd say, well, you know, since you like to go out with them, you can keep a fresh pair to go out. And then when it starts looking a little aged, then you can play tennis with it. Then you can use it. And then you've got another fresh pair and you've got a huge discount on it. It's a great thing. So my sales pretty much almost doubled with that particular shoe line because I took the pressure off of me by asking the question. I discovered the answer, found out it was a universal need, and that's just an example of how your confidence can be really low and then all of a sudden it's really high. Because people were looking at me and I'm selling two of the same pair of shoes to you know half the people who asked for it. That's excellent. That's great. Well, and it's a perfect uh, prelude into what Zig leads off with in this clip. So without further ado, uh, let's hear it from Zig. The key's in closing. 
I talked about the fact that before you ever get there, you should already have made that projection. Uh, you need a positive projection that, yes, you are going to get that sale. Second, you need to have that assumptive attitude. You assume that when you get there, like we did on the uh, sale David Mezzer made uh, there in the pharmaceutical business, uh, he went in not knowing that this guy didn't buy. He was thinking he was going to call on the one who always bought. Man, uh, the sale was there. He took the physical action. In other words, he made the presentation. That's what Chuck Bellis was doing on that automobile. That's what the redhead was doing with me. That's what smoke and fire detector salesman were doing. He took the physical action to get him there. It was done with a lot of enthusiasm. And in every case, a lot of questions were asked. And in each case, uh, they listened and we need to listen the prospect will tell us what will sell them if we will just listen to them. And that persistence is so important there because a lot of times what they're really asking for you, a lot of people don't want to feel like they've been a pushover. So instead of immediately saying yes, which they really want to do, they got to go home and tell their husband or their wife why they bought. See, you got to give people a reason for buying and an excuse for buying. And when you can put those two things together, your chances of making that sale are much better. And so when, you, when you've made the sale, then the post-sale is important. You need to keep on selling to let them know that they have made a wise, wise decision. Persistence does pay. The impending event. Now, we know right now, I know, and I think probably most of you know, that right now, prices are way, way down on so many things. I don't believe they're going to stay that way very long. I believe America is bouncing back in some ways. Does that mean that I don't think that uh, we got any more problems? Hey, we've got serious problems because we're against an enemy that we've never had before. But more and more people I'm talking to are telling me that instead of their business being down, their business is being up. They're doing things that they were unable to do before. The tax breaks are coming in. The lower rate of interest enables more people to buy something. No interest in a lot of cases. And so now the impending event is by now. Insurance people have been using this all the time. Inducement is the big key. Bill Gove used to tell a story that I think had so much merit. He would, uh, he represented, uh, he was doing some training for an automobile uh, company with a particular dealership. And before the salesman would ever attempt to close the sale, he would always take him back to his service manager and let the service manager explain to them what the deal was and why this was the best place to buy it. And the service manager would always end up by saying, uh, yes, we charge you a little bit more, but I'm going to look at you with these baby blue eyes and I'm going to tell you something. The difference in the service is worth infinitely more. You no longer worry. That worry is now ours. We will make the price difference that much greater. And Bill said they had the biggest business you can imagine. We do a lot of training for local automobile dealership and they built distributorships and they built their entire business on service. Uh, we're driving at our company since we do a lot of training for them, but also at our company we have several people driving their automobiles. Uh, you know, I called in and I said, I got a little problem. They said, bring it in and you can drive a new one out. I drove it in. They let me borrow a brand new car. You know what their purpose was on that. Uh, but the next day they called and said, well, your car's all ready. And uh, so I had the service 
didn't have any problem at all. Now, for the redhead, they come out and get her car and take care of it that way. I mean, that's what I'm talking. That is an inducement. And sincerity is one of those things that really comes across. I can't tell you the number of times I've had people tell me over the years about stories where they've had their customers say, I don't know why I'm buying from you. I told a half dozen other people I wasn't going to buy for them. But you seem so sincere. And, you know, as you can probably tell by now, I love to tell stories. You know, the greatest salesman who ever walked the earth never taught except by parable. Uh, in the book of Mark, it says, By parable taught he them, and without a parable taught he not them. That's in the book of Mark. Well, I like to tell stories. I often tell people, if you really want to know how to sell, get you a red-letter edition of the Bible. The letters of Christ are in red. And regardless of your religious faith or conviction or whatever, the greatest, most effective persuader ever known to man was Christ. You look in the Bible and you'll discover that every time somebody asks him a question, he either responded with a question or with a parable. So go ahead. I had a fellow one time talking about some Far Eastern religion at one of the seminars, and he was, uh, you know, very effective. Everybody was applauding him, you know, what he was saying. And, you know, you don't get up and say something ugly about another speaker and disagree with his beliefs. But when I got to this particular point, I said, uh, you get in there and you make this discovery that when a question was asked, you either answered it with a question or with a parable. So that's the way you learn how to ask questions and tell stories. And then as long as you're in there, you might as well get the answer because one day he's going to ask you a question. And if you get it right, you get to stay. Uh, that not only will take the pressure off of you now, but it'll keep the heat off of you later. Well, anyhow, uh, uh, he loved to tell stories. I love to tell stories. So I'm going to close this with a story that brings all of these uh, into focus. Many years ago when uh, Tom was uh, six years old, uh, we lived in Columbia, South Carolina. I woke up one morning. I needed to go to the store. I was in the cookware business to buy some things uh, to get ready for the dinner party. And as I walked in the room, I said, Son, would you like to go to the store with me? He said, Yes, I would, Daddy. He popped up, slipped his little boots on, and uh, in the car we went. We got down to the store, and uh, I turned to the right to the vegetable stand to buy the things there. My son had spotted a display of rubber balls right in front of him. He ran over to those rubber balls. He grabbed one up, brought it over, and he popped it in the baskets, you know, and just stood there grinning. <laughs> he had taken, uh, you know, some very positive action. As a matter of fact, when I said, son, would you like to go down? Uh, what he was thinking, you bet I'd like to go down because I know if I get my daddy down there, he's going to buy me something. And so he had that positive projection. When he picked up the ball, he took the assumptive attitude that, yes, indeed, it was going to be a done deal. When he did that, I took that uh, little ball out and I put it back in his hand. I said, son, uh, what I want you to do is take the ball back. You've already got uh, a dozen balls at home. You just don't need another one. But he had already initiated a lot of things. He had taken the physical action with a lot of enthusiasm. And so he asked me a question. And he said, well, Daddy, can I, I just hold the ball? 
Now, what am I going to say? No, son, you can't even hold the ball. What kind of daddy would I have then to give my boy an answer like that? I said, okay, son, but don't, don't get any ideas that you're going to own it. He said, okay, dad. He didn't want to buy the ball. He just wanted to hold it. However, he apparently wasn't listening because uh, about two minutes later, he came back and he popped the ball right back in the basket. And I picked it out again. I said, son, uh, I got to tell you, I admire your persistence, but I've already told you that uh, you can't have it. You got a dozen balls. Well, my son is an unusual young boy. So he persisted with that. And then he looked at me and he said, Daddy, he talked with a slight lisp in those days. He said, wish you buy me that ball, I'll give you a tiss. Now that's an impending event and it is an inducement and you're talking about sincerity. You'll never see a more sincere salesperson in your life than that six-year-old boy was at that point. And when we can combine a story with all of the benefits that go with it, there are many times when we come across as a sincere, caring individual. Now you must keep the story short. You must respect the other person's time. But I'm telling you, the difference and the reason that most people don't make it is they sell only with their head. They leave the emotions out. So you've got to have them both. If you have all logic, you will educate the prospect and they'll buy from your competition. If you use all emotion, they'll buy from you, but 24 hours later they'll cancel. But if you use the logic combined with the emotion, they'll buy today and keep the product tomorrow. I believe if you'll follow these processes that you will sell more and you'll be able to sell them again and again and again. Good luck. God bless you. Sell lots. Country's depending on you. And if you do, I will see you. And yes, I really do mean you. Not just at the top. Hey, I'm going to see you over the top. God bless you and thank you. All right, so Zig starts out there by saying, leading off with, you've got to give people a reason and an excuse for buying, which when I heard that, I mean, give people a reason to buy. Okay, that was that was uh, easy, but an excuse. I had never thought about it quite in that way. So if you have a product or service you're literally selling, you can generally come up with what you believe is that great reason. And I think if you think through it enough, you can think about the excuse as well for people to buy. But in most sales interactions, salespeople or just you in your own life trying to sell an idea or a message, you often fail to clarify these things, these two focal points sufficiently to whoever your prospect is, whoever you're talking with. So, you know, they spend most of their time, people spend most of their time talking about the products or services uh, merits and values and not talking about how it will truly help the buyer. So if you're listening and you have a product or a service or a message and you think about your pitch, do you seek to understand people first so you know what their needs are, then show how your product or service can meet that need and then give them, lead them to a reason and an excuse. So a reason, Tom, I'm going to put you on the spot here and, uh, and we'll use the example and shamelessly promote a Ziegler product, a Ziegler legacy certification, which, uh, folks is at Ziegler certified, certifi- uh, Uh, so folks, listen to this. We're going to uh, hear from Tom. Let's go to sales school here. Uh, and if you, uh, aren't interested in this Ziegler legacy certification course, he's going to use it as an example, just listen for the gist of it. So Tom, I want you to think of someone specific 
name them or not, who has not been to a Ziegler Legacy Certification course and you think needs to and explain the reason they should come? Well, you know, I could name about five names on this one. I won't, but when we talk about our Ziegler Legacy Certification, what we're talking about is a program that certifies people to teach our legendary courses. And so many people today who are either business owners or executives or their speaker and trainer in their own right, uh, they feel called to go out and make a difference. And the reason they need to come is that they have what it takes in front of the room and they have a life story behind them that gives them credibility, but they don't have the actual content and specific methodology on what to deliver. Right, And they get stuck at this point, and so they always think, you know what, I need to go speak more, I need to go train more, I need to go do more of this. And because they haven't had the 40-plus years of industry experience you know, speaking to millions of people and, and creating programs, they never get around to developing the course themselves. Because unless you know how to do it, it's very difficult, very time-consuming. So the reason they need to come is the difference between where they are and their dream is just a specific how-to plan of how do you deliver this course. And we've got that in spades. Okay, beautiful. So that perfectly answers that. So next, and again, this is the one that was a little new for me to think about. What is their excuse? Their excuse is, is the same that we hear all the time. You know, well, that sounds really good. I'm just not ready yet. And in their head, what they're saying is, well, I can do that. I can do that on my own. Right. And so what happens is, and we see this all the time in this program and other programs, is people will say no. And then six months or nine months later, they'll end up saying yes. And then when they get done, they'll say, you know, I should have done that the first time I heard about it would have saved me a year. And so the excuse is, is that they think they can do it themselves. And the reality is, is most people can. But when you compare the time and money and investment and learning all that on your own, versus taking advantage of, a, of of what we offer already built, it's a no-brainer. Okay, excellent. So the excuse that you help lead them to is, could you do it for yourself? You know, sure, it's going to take a lot longer time. Uh, right. What's the and, payoff? And, go ahead. And what have you done so far? Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I do love that one. Uh, just pointing back and saying, yeah, of course you could do X, Y, Z, but have you? Are you really going to? Um, okay, beautiful. So the next thing Zig said that's interesting is when you've made the sale, you need to keep selling to ensure to people they've made a wise, wise decision. Now, that's not a normal perspective, Tom. I mean, you've, uh, you've made the sale, you've gotten the person's money, and this seems like you know the end. Both, it's, both are, are in a good place, you know, win-win, right? Yet Zig is saying to keep selling them to keep insuring them. So he tells us that, but then he went on in the message, and my thought was, okay, tell us more about why. So I'm going to let you, Tom, tell us why. I think you know the common term for this is buyer's remorse. You know, you hear about it, people get the thing, and they they get all excited about it. They they invest money in it, and it's hard earned money, right? It's they're usually investing in this instead of something else, or the security of having the money, and then they begin to doubt. And so whenever you can go back and confirm the good decision that they made, not only does it help them remember why they got it in the first place, but it also gets them back into it. 
hey, that was a, that was a great decision that you made. And, and with people who come through our programs, we always follow up. How are you using the information? What's changed? And we, we work hard to reassure them and to get testimonials from them during this time frame because really the attitude and the passion that I have about what I went through is going to determine more about how I take an action on it than anything else. And so whenever you sell a product or service, then you need to reinforce that. It, and it could be anything. Let's just say you sell term life insurance. Somebody comes through and and you know and, and gets a nice policy. What a great little thing, you know, a couple of months later to write them a note and say, Hey, I was just thinking about you today. You know, I sure am glad that you've taken care of your family. You know, I saw a news report and it just reminded me of your family and I wondered if they had done the same for theirs. Right? right. It gives people that satisfaction. The other thing too is that if you're look if in sales it's all about referrals it's about growing your business. So when you do that insuring not only is it a benefit to who you've sold to already but it also puts you front of mind with them and they're going to think about you when they're talking to their friends in that same area that same category. Right. Okay, well this is uh as as often is the case as we're sitting here theoretically teaching uh, I'm learning more than I am teaching. Because as you said that, you know, I'm involved in the business development of a new uh, medical practice that's really focused on helping people get well. It's called True True Life Medicine. And so we've been selling members in there. And I'm thinking as you're talking there that I'm following up with them just on, you know, things that I think are, are relevant for them. But am I really going back and validating their choice to invest more in their wellness? And I'm thinking, no. So I sat here and wrote a note to myself after the show, Kevin, go validate the members there. So um, thank you. I'll utilize that. <laughs> All right. Well, Zig keys in on the necessity to be a sincere, caring individual. That This is the heart of true, successful selling, influencing, and leading. So whether you're trying to sell vacuum cleaners, cars, or selling your teenager on not making unwise choices, are you really coming at it with sincerity and caring from the other person's perspective and not just yours? Is that what they are perceiving? Again, sometimes we'll think that we are, but are they perceiving that? So, Tom, I mean, I think our natural humanity when trying to sell anything is to think about our own perspective. That's just natural. We don't need to beat ourselves up about it, not to put ourselves, you know, in the theoretically in the other person's shoes. Um, but just, just to be honest. So our natural humanity is self-interested. So we can't go about sales naturally is what it got me to thinking. We've got to always step outside of our nature and truly put ourselves in the other person's shoes. And I think we could say that for relationships at large if we want healthy relationships. We've got to care. So back to the opening quote from Zig, stop selling and start caring. So, Tom, again, it's not natural. We can't help but sell from self-interest. Self-interest is why we are selling. We need to make a buck and get paid for one, and then often from our perspective, the person may well need what we have to offer, and we want to convince them of it for their sake. So how do you set that aside, that nature aside, to sell with true care, which is more effective? Well, I tell you, it, you know, it comes from that foundational belief, you know, and this is dad's core quote, you can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. And then there's nothing more important from a trust level, from an integrity level than in sales when we're actually concerned about the needs of the other person. And they see that, you know, Dad talks and says that selling is a transference of feeling. Mm. And when they can feel from us that we're really caring about what their needs are, 
we may not make the sale that day with that person, but we have perfectly positioned ourselves because we've built trust Mm -hmm. for solving a future need or somebody else they know. Another interesting perspective on this, we have a good friend, Rabbi Daniel Lappin, and he says this. He says, opportunity seeks out the generous. And you see, it's hard to be to have a true caring spirit without being generous as well because if you're really caring about somebody and you're working with them in a sales context and it becomes obvious that they're not in a place to make a sales decision but you still care about them, you might listen about their other areas of need, right? That's very generous mm-hmm. because you are giving your time and your ear and your encouragement to them when they're in that place. So what does it mean that opportunity seeks out the generous? Well, it's real simple. Imagine in your own life when people have brought you something. You know, Kevin, can you help me with this? And you look at it and you realize this is a golden opportunity, but you're not qualified for it. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd love to help you. Whoever gets this is going to win, but I'm just not the right person. I, I respect our relationship too much. I can't do this for you. And then that person says, well, Kevin, who else do you recommend? And so now you go into your mind and you say, okay, this is a trusted friend. Who am I going to connect them with to help solve this problem? Well, your mindset isn't, okay, who's the greediest, you know, most self-interested person I know? I'm going to refer them to them. No. In your head, you think, I'm going to place them with somebody who I trust, somebody who's going to care about them, somebody who's generous. And so you're going to refer somebody who's generous, right? And that's how we want to come across. And we need to do that from not a fake perspective, but from a genuine, genuine, generous. I guess they come from the same word. But we need to be generous and we need to care. And when we do that, opportunity is going to seek us out because referrals are going to come to us because people trust us to help them solve their needs. Well, again, yeah, per, I mean, it's just such a win-win. I mean, I, I know that we, we talk about that a lot. And we have a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of the messages here that piggyback on each other so much, which we need. We need that redundancy. But you said transfer of a feeling and just thought about that. Imagine that we had, you know, on your forehead, I got this mental image, you know, the forehead, what your motive is uh, before you start trying to talk anybody into, this, into anything. I mean, it would totally, if we knew that, if we had that accountability, it would absolutely change how we approach that. Again, whether it's selling a product or service or talking to your spouse or kid. Uh, I love it. Well, hey, uh, Tom. I want to let everybody know our show again today is sponsored by QuickBooks. And for those of you who are self-employed, we have something for you. Uh, I've personally been self-employed all my life. I grew up in a self-employed home. It's all I know. And an Achilles heel for me, and it was for my dad too, is dealing with finances. So QuickBooks has now come out with QuickBooks Self-Employed and is offering uh, the Ziegler Show listeners up to 50% off for an entire year. Uh, it helps, this product helps separate your business and personal expenses so you can quickly track what you spent uh, for work and what you spent on yourself and takes the guesswork out of estimating federal quarterly taxes. So come tax time, you know how much money to set aside for Uncle Sam and how much stays in your pocket. Now I get this same thing done right now by a CPA who I pay about 100 times more than what this product costs. Goodness. So uh, we can all try QuickBooks self-employed and save up to 50% if you go to try selfemployed.com forward slash Ziggler. Okay. And this offers good until June 15th. So it's not that much time from now. Um, but again, try selfemployed.com forward slash Ziggler. All right, Tom, now I'm going to hit a pet peeve of mine. Zig said we need to utilize story. 
But you must keep the story, your explanation for whatever you're trying to communicate to somebody short. And you must respect the other person's time. That's what he said. So this is really relevant to me because when I was listening to this, uh, I had just recently sat through a sales presentation where the guy talked nonstop, no lie, for a solid hour. Hour. He never asked questions, never took the time to include me in the process. Uh, and there's a couple other guys at the table too. So when myself and others, even when we tried to attempt to insert a question that we were, we were interested in sort of question. He just sped up his delivery to make the point. And, you know, again, it just showcased that very few people seek to listen, understand, and care. I mean, his service was good, but his manner honestly had eroded my trust in him because of the lack of care. Uh, and he won't see my money and someone else uh, that does what he does offers what he offers, uh, may not, they may not even have as good of a product, but they're going to end up getting my money. I mean, he believed in his product, Tom. That's what I paid. I mean, he, he really did. And he had obviously studied some sales technique, techniques, not the right ones, obviously. Uh, but I could tell that he was, there was some intentionality. And he just missed some primary things, the listening, the caring, the letting me be part of the process too. And this is what it got me thinking, to sell myself. So, Tom, I mean, this wasn't necessarily part of Zig's message in this clip, but that point hit me. I mean, at the end, does anyone really sell us or do they just help remove the real and perceived obstacles so we can sell ourselves? I, th I think, and this is an old statement, but people hate to be sold, but they love to buy. Mm. And so... When I am working with somebody, my role is to help them buy. And it's irrelevant to me why I think it's important. It's very relevant to understand why the individual who's considering it thinks it's important. And I, and I heard a good question, and, and, and it's not a Ziegler original, but it's, it's just so good. I, I love it because it really emphasizes the idea of caring and listening and, and everything else. And, and we may have talked about this on a previous podcast, but – when you're in a discussion with somebody and you've, you've shared the benefits and you're asking the questions and there's usually what they call a trial close and a trial close is simply you just get a, you just get a feel for how somebody is, you know, in the process. Are they ready to move forward or they, they, they want to go ahead and, and, and purchase it or do they need more information? And so a trial close question is on a scale of one to 10 with 10 being I'm ready, how close are you to buying? And, the old way of doing it is if they said a seven, people would say, well, help me understand. How, do, how can I help you move from a seven yeah. to a ten? That's good, but it's, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's just kind of so built into it. People have a, a resistance to that. But I, but I heard someone say this. They said, instead of asking that question, just say, oh, a seven. Okay. Help me understand why you rated it a seven. And, you know, why didn't you rate it a five? And so what happens is you get to listen while they start to tell you all the reasons that they're considering it. And usually as they unfold those reasons, they will move closer to doing business with you. Yeah. Because they realize that, you know, maybe the reason it's not a 10 yet isn't because they haven't asked you the question they really want to ask. And in that explanation, they're going to share that question with you. Gosh, I like that. So, I like that a lot. Okay, well, last point here. Zig told us the reason most people don't succeed in selling is they sell with their head and leave the emotions out or vice versa, and you've got to use both. He went on to say, if you have all logic, you'll educate the prospect and they'll buy from your competition, which is what happened to me in uh, the story I referenced a second ago. 
uh, with, with the guy selling me. But if you go with all emotion, they'll buy from you. Then 24 hours later, they will cancel. And man, when I heard that, I got to admit that that's where I'm prone to in my own sales uh, aspect that I can get people excited about that. But do I use enough logic with it? So obviously if you lose, use logic combined with emotion, they'll buy today and keep the product tomorrow, as Zig said. Uh, and I'd add they'd buy again and tell others to buy. So bottom line is you can't sell with it being just, again, about you. You must be selling about the other person, listening, caring. We're driving this home today and having their best interest in mind, which, and here's a big point, might not include them needing right now your product or service. And we did talk about this in a podcast months ago now, I think, but having that walkaway power that we're not desperate to make the sale. And again, Tom, I think that that is just, we just got to come back to that. It's so big. It feels like a relevant book, you know, selling without being certain that the prospect needs what you have to offer. I mean, doesn't that right there change the game? I mean, it's a crux of why I didn't buy what, you know, guy was selling me uh, that I might actually need his primary platform. Uh, he presented it as it's the only salvation for our business was his service. And I just, I couldn't accept that. I mean, if a man's dying of thirst and you have a bottle of water, you simply have to approach him with the belief that for some reason he just may not truly need what you have. You can't conceive of it, but we've got to have that in our perspective as we approach uh, this. We've got to fully understand and care from his perspective. And ultimately, if we do that, Tom, my thought is, shouldn't that be great news for people to hear? Doesn't that take the pressure off to have that perspective? And, and also knowing that it's going to help us be more successful. I mean, it's perfect, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we have a saying here that process takes pressure off the person. All right. And so as part of your process is an understanding that not everybody is going to be a fit for what you have to offer. Right. Then you go in and your first question is, are we a fit? You know, I, I love kind of an approach of, hey, you know what? A lot of people have this type of a problem. I don't know if we're a fit for you. Do you have a few moments to understand what we have to offer? And I'd like to learn more about what your needs are. And if there's a fit, maybe we can talk some more. I love that real simple process. And then the second thing is, is what we really got to emphasize here is you've got to, you've got to follow that up with professionalism. Mm -hmm. If you're not constantly studying the right kind of questions to ask, if you're not constantly working on how to be an active listener, if you're not constantly studying the industry to know what other options and choices are out there, I can tell you that there are some relationships I have where we sat down and we went through it and we both realized we weren't a fit and they recommended somebody who was quote unquote a competitor with us, with them, right? They recommended a competitor because they said, hey, we love serving this type of client and, and when we get that type of client, they're happy and we're happy and we have a long-term relationship. When we don't get that type of client, then it just causes friction and they eventually leave. How much better for me to go ahead and recommend a service I know is probably something going to work for you, and then maybe later on when your needs change, we're a perfect fit. Who am I going to call first when that comes up? Yeah, absolutely. And processes, you came back to that. You know, um, we, are, we are at the end of our show here. Tom, I think that needs to be our next show, though, is talking about process. I think we still, we, and I'm, when I say we, I'm including myself, we tend to look at successful people and think they just got it. And yet what you and I know from our own experiences and seeing other people is, they, sure, do they have some skill and ability? You know, absolutely, sure they do. But they have processes. And I'll tell you, I, and we'll talk about this when we do this show on it, because I have to learn that a lot. I, I'm an off-the-cuff guy. I like to just wing it. 
Uh, it, it's, I enjoy that, but I got to do that within the context of processes if I really want success. So hey, folks, I think that's going to be our next one, but thanks for listening. And remember, as soon as you turn this off, stop listening to the show and go about your day. You're going to find yourself trying to sell something to someone, an idea, a perspective or a product or service. Uh, and your hope for them, uh, whatever you want for them. Okay. Pay attention to this. Get out of yourself. Let it be about them. If it doesn't go your way and you end up going their way, you just sold them on trusting you. It's about, uh, it's about doing the right thing for everybody. That's a winning sale that'll come back to you. So thanks. Thank you, Tom. Folks, we'll be back with you for the next show. Thanks for tuning in to The Ziggler Show. Sign up for new show alerts at ZigglerShow.com. You can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want.